So today we are observing the feast of Prudence Crandall. Does anyone here know who Prudence Crandall was? That's exactly what I thought when I got the lessons for today and they said we're observing Prudence Crandall and I said, that's lovely. Off I went to Google. <laughs> so from my Google and from my search in uh, Holy Women, Holy Men, I learned the story of Prudence Crandall and I want to share it with you today because I think it's relevant, particularly for a day of new ministry because it gets at several aspects of, of life following Jesus faithfully. So Prudence Crandall was born, I think, around 1809. And in about 1830, she had been trained as a teacher. She opened a school, a sort of elite school for ladies in Connecticut. And that went very well for a year or so. And then a young African-American girl enrolled in the school. And Prudence was very grateful to this young woman for enrolling in her school. She was eager to teach her. This young woman wanted to be taught so that she could then open schools for black children in Connecticut. It sounded perfect, except, of course, for the other white students who objected to having this young woman in, her, in their school and would not come to school with her. And Prudence Crandall decided, well, if you won't come to school with her, then you may leave because now I am only going to teach African-American girls. Like if, you, if we won't be able to teach them together, then this is what my mission is going to be. And so the purpose of her school changed and the community noticed. And when the community noticed, they did not like what she was doing. And so they began to um, harass her terrorize her school, lots of violence towards the school, everything from breaking windows to poisoning the well of the school. This whole state of Connecticut passed a law that was known as the Black Law that forbade any schools from teaching African Americans who crossed state lines to enter. She ended up in jail for a while, but she kept going back and teaching until it got to a point after about three years where they just, she just had to fold up. They had to close the school. And in the great tradition of what women do when they aren't sure what their job is anymore, she got married. <laughs> she got married to a Baptist minister and left Connecticut. But that period of her life where she was leading that school, I think is a really good story about finding your call in ministry. Because she didn't set out to be a rabble rouser, right? She, just, she was just opening her nice little school in Connecticut to teach girls how to be ladies, you know? Wonderful, wonderful work being a teacher. And then God gave her this other opportunity. And she could have decided that no, my purpose, my mission is to educate, you know, young women of Connecticut. And since I can't do that if I educate this other girl, um, to stay true to my mission, I will just have to tell her that she can't come to school here. But she was open to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when she realized that she was going to have to choose between, teaching, between what she thought her mission was and a completely new mission, she was open to that sort of radical change and she was open to the incredible cost that was going to have. You know, she didn't seek it out. But once it was there, she took it up, and she was faithful. She also realized at some point that 
in order to protect her students and herself, she couldn't do it anymore, you know, and how sad that was. How many times in our lives, though, in our ministries, do we think that God is calling us to do this, and then we discover that, that there's something else? So think for a minute about your ministry. Maybe it's a surprise that you're where you are in the role that you are. Maybe it is something that you're really clear about, like, no, this is my mission. But my encouragement to you today in this piece of it is to remember that, that what you think your mission may be may change that God may have something for you that you had not expected and that you had not even anticipated or planned for, but that when you see it, you realize that, that this is the faithful choice and to encourage us not to, not to miss that. Don't be so afraid of what God puts in front of you that you miss the opportunity to be of faithful service. Now that's the part of Prudence Crandall's life that gets her into holy women, holy men, but as I searched on Wikipedia, <laughs> I found there was a little bit more to her story towards the end of her life. So like I said, she, she got married and left Connecticut. And they moved through Rochester and um, uh, Chicago, Illinois. And then she ended up after the death of her husband in Elk Falls, Kansas. Um, and they, Wikipedia had this really interesting quote um, from, that she gave from the end of her life. And I want to read it to you to sort of let you meditate on it. My whole life has been one of opposition. I could never find anyone near to me to agree with me. Even my husband opposed me more than anyone. He would not let me read the books that he himself read, but I did read them. I read all sides and searched for the truth whether it was in science, religion, or humanity. I sometimes think I would like to live somewhere else. Here in Elk Falls, there is nothing for my soul to feed upon. Nothing unless it comes from abroad in the shape of books, newspapers, and so on. There is no public library, and there are but one or two persons in the place that I can converse with profitably for any length of time. No one visits me, and I begin to think they are afraid of me. I think the ministers are afraid I shall upset their religious beliefs and advise the members of their congregation not to call on me. But I don't care. I speak on spiritualism sometimes, but more on temperance, and am a self-appointed member of the International Arbitration League. I don't want to die yet. I want to live long enough to see some of these reforms consummated. Kind of haunting quote, right? You hear sort of the despair and the disappointment in her life, but also that that firm conviction that she's gonna read the book she wants to read, whether her husband lets her or not, and a desire to live long enough to see the reforms she's worked for consummated. She died in 1890, so she didn't see women's suffrage. She didn't see integrated schools. She did see an end to slavery. What, and yet she felt like she was always in opposition with everyone. What would you be willing to live in opposition for or in opposition to? Like what are those grounding principles that you would, you would seek out books and conversations in order to, to be faithful? And who are the people in our communities who are like Prudence who, as she says, the ministers are afraid to visit her? <laughs> who are the people in our communities who, 
who are really interesting and maybe difficult prickly people, because I kind of imagine she was probably a prickly person, but who, if we visited them and entered into conversation with them, we might really learn something. And we might really learn that their story and what they had done in their life was inspiring and life-changing to us. And then the last question she sort of gives us, what do you want to live long enough to see? What is a change in the world, in our life together, in our nation? What is a change you want to live long enough to see? Hold those things in your heart and pray on them. Amen.